Imagine you are part of the national body of leaders and organizers that manage public health interventions for your country. As part of this national body, you begin to see an increasing trend in deaths from a vaccine-preventable disease. As you and the national team map the resources and stakeholders that play a role in reducing the number of deaths, you realize the introduction of a new vaccine into your routine immunization system can greatly impact and reduce the number of deaths associated with this disease. What steps would you take to make a comprehensive plan that allows you to use the resources available to you to get the vaccine from its manufacturer to the target population? What vaccine would you choose? How many would you start off with? When would you introduce it? How would you reach the target population? How will you prepare the recipients? When would you train the health workers administering the vaccine? Can health centers properly store the vaccine? How will you monitor the progress? Today, we are connecting with two vaccine supply chain experts with firsthand experience in contributing to the introduction of HPV vaccines in Kenya and Cameroon. This is Brian Castro, Senior Program Officer with JSI, and this is Voices of Public Health. This is Voices of Public Health, the JSI podcast. We are focusing the conversation today on the supply chain and logistics needed to successfully introduce a vaccine, specifically HPV vaccine. We have... Yeah, thank you, Brian. My name is Amos Chueya. I am a regional immunization technical officer um, with JSI, and I'm calling from Nairobi, Kenya. And we also have... My name is Sheikh Koulibaly. I'm a logistic advisor based in Niamey. Who is calling from Niger. Thank you. So today we're going to be talking about uh, supply chain uh, and the logistics that go into the uh, HPV introduction in the respective countries that you supported. And I know that uh, in Kenya, there was a pilot phase of the introduction in 2013. And then in Cameroon, there was also a, a pilot phase in introduction of the HPV vaccine in, in 2014, I believe. And with supply chain, we know that you know we need a timely and sufficient uh, access of the uh, of the vaccine supplies. We also need like a detailed micro planning. Uh, cold chain storage is also very important here as well, as well as the uh, availability of the of the vaccine supplies and the commodities. But I wonder, if, if Amos, if you can start off first with, um, if you can highlight, like, what are some key differences that you've noticed from uh, other vaccine introductions and, like, some key considerations for countries that will be planning to introduce HPV vaccine in the future? Uh Thank you, Brian. Uh, even before I answer that question, as you have rightly put it, uh, is that when you're introducing a new vaccine, uh, there are a number of things that uh, one has to consider logistically so that you, at the end of the day, you have sufficient vaccines for the targeted populations. One, one need to know what kind of vaccine that you're introducing, what are the characteristics of that vaccine, what are the storage requirements of that vaccine, and of course, very important is to know who are you targeting to receive that vaccine. 
what is the target population for that vaccine? And when is that vaccine likely to be given to the target populations? And where will that happen? So with that in mind, then that will inform you on uh, making sure that you have sufficient supplies for the targeted population. And that will also help you uh, make sure you have enough ancillary items that will deliver that vaccine. And uh, of course, will inform a detailed distribution plan and maybe you map, up, you, map, you map out routes where how that vaccine will be reaching the target populations. One very important area, as you mentioned uh, again earlier is that you must make sure that you, you, you have enough storage, cold storage capacity for that vaccine because most all, nearly all vaccines are kept in a, in a regulated temperature, so, uh, which we refer to as cold chain. And of course, to maintain that cold chain, you also have to make sure that uh, as you distribute those vaccines down the stream, you have enough uh, coolant packs and uh, of course uh, 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 enough passive uh, containers, what we refer to as cold chain, I mean cold boxes and, and, and vaccine carriers. So that is very important to make sure that you have that storage capacity is important. So coming to your question, um, introduction of HPV vaccine is really not very different from introducing any other vaccines. The only difference that uh, is there is that the target population is not the normal target population that uh, imagine programs targets. Here we are talking about um, adolescent girls, 10 to 15. Some countries have taken all the cohort together and some countries like in Kenya, we took only one cohort, 10 year old girls. So to get the target uh, population of those girls wasn't very easy. It's uh, involved uh, um, the program involving uh, the Ministry of Education, because that's where most of the girls are, 10 year old, could be in, are in school. And of course, trying to know where the schools are and where those populations are. So for you to successfully um, get the targets, you have to do, you have to micro plan. You have to, to, you have to get where those girls are, the numbers, and that can inform now the, the amount of vaccines you require to order as a country and then put plans into place or now to distribute the vaccines to reach those girls. And in most cases, um, depending on the strategy of the delivery, again, you have to plan strategies in a way that uh, the, the vaccines are there when the girls need to receive those vaccines. Great, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing that and how we notice just the differences in terms of approaches when it comes to 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 vaccinating uh, adolescent girls. Uh, Kulibali, can you can you share with us uh, your experience in terms of you know what are some of the key differences or, or or yeah those differences that you've noticed when it comes to in introducing HPV vaccines when compared to, to other vaccines? I know that you've you've had a, a lot of experience when it comes to new new vaccine introduction and 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 managing supply chain. So what are what are some key differences you've noticed? Thank you, Brian. Actually, the difference, just like Amos just described. HPV is not much different from the other vaccine that we are using in the expanded program of immunization. There is a vaccine that has to be kept in a temperature range plus two, plus eight. The main difference also, like you say, is the target population. You know, 
the HPV vaccine use a different target population. That's the usual uh, program target. The usual program target is zero to 11 months. HPV, the, the main challenge was to identify the target, where to find the girl. In, in Cameroon, the target was nine to, nine to 10 also. In Niger, it was between nine to 13. That was the target population. So that was the main challenge, how to identify where to find those girls. We had the help of the Ministry of Education to the specific uh, introduction to identify a girl in school. In the village, we use uh, the chip of villages just to identify girls where we can find them to vaccinate. So the main difference in HPV introduction was the target and it was a big challenge. That's a great place of where we can kind of lead to the next question because we want to talk about like the, the target population now. So with the different uh, delivery of vaccine approaches uh, that, that we have when, when introducing new vaccines like for, for Penta or rotavirus, you know, these the target population here is are, are, are newborns or or children, so they are dependent on their on their caregivers to uh, to bring them over to the vaccination site to be vaccinated. But with HPV, it's 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 a different target population, right? So, um, what are the difference in terms of the delivery approaches, and how do they affect the supply decisions? And can we talk a little bit about the administration of the vaccine in schools? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Brian. And, uh, and as you have rightfully said, uh, most of the routine vaccines are given at clinics that are static, that parents or guardians take uh, uh, the children to the static facilities to get their jobs. And, and that is like an easy thing to do. But when it comes to um, the gas that we are talking about, and uh, bearing in mind that uh, most of the immunizations are given during uh, weekdays, uh, working hours, and those working hours are the same hours when the girls are supposed to be in school um, learning. So it contradicts because uh, uh, if you said you want to use a static uh, facility so that the girls can come to the facility for the vaccination, then that means they'll be losing their lessons in, in, in school. Therefore, um, we, we need to think uh, otherwise, how do we reach these girls? And the best and the easiest way of reaching them is uh, going to where they are, involving the school administration, um, involved in involving the class teachers of uh, where the, that age category lies, so that uh, you can work with them to create some time, even if it's during break time or lunch time, then you can have the girls uh, um, get uh, the vaccinations. Mm -hmm. um, what this entails is therefore that you need to have uh, to plan to go for those outreach services in school. And therefore you must make sure that you have uh, enough um, insulated containers or what you call passive containers or the uh, vaccine carriers and cold boxes, depending on uh, the target population that you are targeting in that school. Um, you need to prepare your cool packs or so that you make sure this kind of vaccine is not supposed to be frozen. You prepare your cool packs and then uh, arrange with the school and visit the school and 
and make sure that uh, you vaccinate the gas and at the end of the day, make sure that uh, you also manage the waste that comes out of uh, uh, those injections. That's, that is immunization waste that comes out of uh, as you give the jabs, those use syringes, I mean, uh, they are well managed and you move back with you to, 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 to where you came from. So really the, the thing here is to make sure that you are totally in touch with the school. The administration is, uh, is, uh, gives you an okay to come to the school and make sure of the, make, make maximum use of the time that you have with the, with the, in the school to vaccinate the maximum amount of gas that you can get in that school. Most important thing here is we must make sure that we maintain our cold chain and make sure that the vaccines we are giving to the gas are potent. Kobali, when it comes to, you mentioned earlier um, about how you you were working with the, with the Ministry of Education to kind of coordinate uh, the stakeholders when it, when it comes to introducing the vaccine and that also contributed to the, to the supply chain uh, logistics and then also uh, the community leaders as well. What were um, some other approaches that were used um, to, to, to identify and to reach the target population? You know, HPV vaccine in, in Niger and other countries, there was anti-vax people that came and start to distribute negative message about uh, uh, the, the HPV vaccine. So in Niger and also Cameroon, what people do, they work a lot on the strategy. Communication strategy was a key of this introduction. So radio, TV, the API manager went on herself to, on the TV to talk about the benefit of the HPV vaccine herself and her daughters, they got vaccinated from HPV. So those, was the, those were the strategies just to bring people to understand what the vaccine, uh, 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 the benefit of the HPV vaccine. And also, uh, Emma just talked about the distribution of the vaccine, HPV vaccine was not much different from the other vaccine. In regular API uh, routine immunization, we do outreach. So when it came to HPV, we use the same outreach system to go to the school. The school was like outreach uh, area where people have to go and administrate vaccine. So it was really easy because they're already used to it. They do outreach to remote villages where it's difficult to uh, children to come and get the vaccination. They, they prepare outreach session to go to their village to get them vaccinated. So the school, with the help of the Ministry of Health, identify school where uh, the, the health worker have to go as an outreach site, sit, vaccinate a girl in the target range and come back in the facility with the remaining of the vaccine. So how, how can we build upon the current supply chain so that in case the EPA wants to make a, a switch to a new to, to a new to a new vaccine. How is it that we can build on our current supply chain to to accommodate the new vaccine? I know there are there are, there are a number of types of uh, of, uh, of uh, vaccine formulations uh, in the market. 
And uh, just to mention the experience that we had here in Kenya, initially we had planned to go for, for a multi-age cohort um, uh, targeting for, I think 10 years to 14 years old. Um, but because of uh, the, the, the supply of the vaccine was not sufficient in the market, we were forced to um, go down to a one year cohort. Uh, which means that there wasn't sufficient vaccines uh, in the in the market to address that the plan that the country had for um, introducing uh, this vaccine, starting with a multi-age cohort, then um, sticking to one cohort as they they join the ten-year-old, they get to be vaccinated at that point. So one thing when you are looking at the cold chain, you have to look at the what volume does one dose of that vaccine uh, occupy in the cold storage. So to enable you compute um, um, the storage capacity required for that given vaccine at different levels. Of course, at national level, you have to receive all the vaccine there, then you start moving them down. And then you look at the existing storage capacity and then look at what is coming in and see whether we have a gap or we don't have a gap. If we have a gap then, we should try and uh, uh, address that gap because bringing that vaccine without addressing the gaps or without looking at the system in a way that it can accommodate that uh, new uh, vaccine, uh, then you are bound to fail. So therefore, one has to know what does one dose of that vaccine occupy as, as far as storage capacity is concerned. Then you are able to compute again, as I said, the, the total requirement for a given storage period, uh, all the way from the national level to subnational to the district and then to the service points. Now that 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 in the in the normally when you bring in new vaccines, it's also a chance for you. Sometimes you're funding from Gavis, other countries. Sometimes you're funding from other donors. It's a chance for you also to. Uh, to um, kind of uh, increase your storage capacity and uh, look at your inventory, your coaching inventory again and see which are these equipments that may, may not be performing very well. And it's a chance for you to replace them with new equipment, um, riding on the introduction of, 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 of the new vaccine. So um, one very important thing that I want to mention here is that one has to know what storage uh, uh, the temperature is a vaccine um, going to be stored at, as, as Czech said, is uh, plus two to plus eight for HPV. And, 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 and what volume does that one dose of that vaccine occupy? You need to know that. And then you're able to compute, as I said, what your requirements will be for that given period. Over. You know, when you come to introduction, you know, for me, the first step as a logistician is to do cold chain assessment, just to make sure uh, you know the volume of your cold chain, uh, your cold chain capacity, plus now the new vaccine you are going to introduce, what uh, storage capacity it will take in your cold chain. So that's very important. And also, he also mentioned that in all the introduction, Gavi give found to country to help you uh, cover the gap in case of uh, you have a gap. It give you some found just to help you some new equipment and cover the, the gap. And also with the CCOP, uh, Gavi cold chain uh, uh, equipment uh, platform optimization, 
all the country at the at the lower level they start to get equipment solar equipment really performance solar equipment that help the country with introduction of new vaccine especially with uh, the covid vaccine that's coming it really helping country help country to get uh, uh, a good storage capacity back to you if other countries that are considering um, to introduce the HPV vaccine for the first time ever, what would you say are the key questions and the information that's needed before they decide on a product to introduce to their country? Of course, um, there are strategic questions that one has to ask himself or herself when introducing a new a new vaccine like HPV into a program. And uh, they are not very different from what we've been talking about. One, um, um, you must, as uh, Jake uh, properly puts it, you must be able to assess your uh, cold chain. You know, um, of course, we, you already have vaccines in the system, other vaccines, and what space are they occupying in those uh, cold chain equipment? And what uh, extra space do you have that can accommodate the incoming vaccine? So very important, again, as I mentioned earlier, is to know what is the storage capacity that that vaccine is going to require or to, yeah, where to be accommodated, what does it require? You have to make, you have to make that assessment. You have to make sure that the, you know your inventory, your cold chain, and what is coming in. If there is a gap, Again, as we mentioned earlier, um, you, you start thinking of how to address that gap or you start looking for other modalities of uh, accommodating that vaccine if you have no um, uh, resources to um, add more quality and equipment. You may do uh, something like a system design where by you reduce the amount of other vaccines in the supply chain so that you can accommodate the, the incoming uh, vaccine. So once you do that, you also must look at the availability of the specific uh, vaccines that you are introducing in the, in, the, in the market. Will it be sustained? Because you may have a given type of vaccine for one year and then one year down the road, that vaccine is not available in the market and it will start making you change into another kind of uh, formulation of a vaccine. So it's important for you to look uh, at the global market and look at the availability of that vaccine and, 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 and for how long, just to make sure that uh, you can sustain uh, that uh, vaccine uh, once you introduce it in a given, in a given country. And then, uh, of course, the targets are very important. Targets inform you uh, on uh, the amount of vaccines that you require. But again, you may have these vaccines in place and you don't have, um, populations to consume that vaccine. So as much as it's, uh, it's not a logistic kind of uh, uh, job, but you must make sure that the, the other area of the program also um, creates the demand for, for that vaccine. Otherwise that vaccine can come in and it will not be consumed. So there's that demand creation uh, part of the program that must also do its uh, part of, 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 the, of, the, of the job. So once um, you have all this in place, you know whom you are going to vaccinate, you know when you start that vaccination, and you know uh, where that vaccination will be given, 
then you can comfortably now um, start uh, planning to bring in uh, um, sufficient amounts of vaccines together with the supplies that we deliver them. You can now move forward and plan a detailed distribution plan to make sure that vaccine goes there, make sure that you have adequate storage as we have talked before, and you know, then uh, the, 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 the vaccination can start. For me, when it comes to HPV vaccine introduction, country had to decide first to go on a pilot. Because like I said in the beginning, HPV has a different target population than the regular uh, routine immunization. Reason why? Because country have to go on, on the pilot phase, learn from the mistake, and before they can better plan for the introduction. That's my advice. Our last question um, I have here, and I'm trying to bring it all together to uh, uh, the topic that's relevant because, you know, when we are discussing supply chains and with uh, HPV introduction that's going to, to uh, a, a, a specific target population, I want to talk about COVID-19. And I know that these countries are also preparing to introduce COVAX into the routine immunization programs or so. So I'm, I'm hoping if you can help me, us draw the line or at least share a little bit of like, what are, what are some lessons learned from, from the uh, experience and supply chain of introducing HPV vaccine that could be uh, contributing to the planning for COVAX? One one thing that will cut across all vaccine introductions is, of course, one has to be able to assess vaccine logistics and cold chain capacity needs. That is very important because, again, without that, I mean, you are not going to be able to bring in vaccine. Um, for the COVAX facility, and I think we, 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 we thank donors and partners for bringing this up. Um, when developing the plan to bring in the COVID-19 vaccine, one again has to know what type of vaccine are you bringing in? What cold storage requirements that that vaccine have? We have heard of uh, the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna that require very low um, storage requirements. I think uh, the Pfizer one is minus 70s ultra cold chain. And we, Moderna is also, I think, minus 20. They're all in the negative uh, side of it. So for you to bring in that kind of vaccine, you must make sure that you have uh, that storage requirement for that given antigen. Or if you don't have that, then you must um, um, plan on how you are going to, to, to have that vaccine reaching your country, that you are going to have dry eyes being, being procured from somewhere. Well, that is very important. You must make sure, you must know the characteristics of the vaccine that is coming in, then you can be able to plan for it adequately. Of course, again, as we said, you must know who are your targets. Whom are you targeting to vaccinate? So to inform the numbers of the vaccines that are going to be coming in, yeah, you need to know where who are these people and where are they, because uh, we are not an ultra cold chain vaccine, the, the, the vaccine that requires uh, to be stored at that level. 
then you must plan accordingly to make sure that vaccine reaches um, those populations while it is still important. Very important. Uh, of course, that is national targets comes in handy, very handy. And of course, again, as I've been mentioning even before, is uh, the timing. When are you planning to carry out this vaccination? And again, where is this vaccination going to be carried out? I think those are the questions one has to answer um, for you um, to, to, to prepare for a vaccine introduction, just like uh, HPV or COVID vaccine. And we thank God that this COVID vaccine is now becoming slowly available to the populations. In Niger, what we really learn from the HPV introduction that we really use this time in COVAX vaccine introduction is the readiness tool, vaccine uh, readiness tool that Niger didn't use when they were doing the pilot phase in the introduction. So reason why the pilot phase in Niger was not a successful pilot, and that's the reason even the introduction was postponed up to this date. And for COVAX, this time we use the readiness tool, the VRAT, that each month the country uh, inform, and we know at which level we are, what readiness the country is when it comes to COVID vaccine introduction. And also in the HPV case, the lesson, the second lesson we learned that's communication. I know it's not logistics, but communication in HPV was not well done. We're trying to catch uh, the mistake going forward, but the, the key communication, the key uh, uh, messages were not there for COVID vaccine. This time, uh, the country put communication first. Why? Because we, st we still had some HPV vaccine uh, when the pilot uh, ended. We have to use some other strategies to use the vaccine because we didn't want them to expire. And we don't want the same problem to come when it comes to COVID, the communication. You know, now anti-vax people, uh, they say a lot about the COVID vaccine. And also in Niger, people actually don't believe in COVID because they see in, on the TV, some country has 25,000 cases a day, 1,000 deaths a day. Here we just have 41, one death a day. So that thing is something political and they don't trust uh, COVID. They don't trust in COVID. The thing is just something people just put in there just to mess up their head. So when it's like mm -hmm. that, vaccination will be a challenge. How would mm -hmm. you do to get people to understand this vaccine, this vaccination is good for the community, for the world, uh, because we need to have a immunity system for us to be able to travel for the, the world to start again. So that's a big challenge. And the country put together key lessons, key communication messages, and they are really working out this time on communication. Hopefully with the help of uh, uh, OIC, that's, uh, sorry, uh, trying to put the name in, in English. <laughs> It's kind of difficult, but uh, that's the Société Civile, I'm trying to say in French. Probably, Brian, you can help me out with the Société Civile. Those people Société are civile. really... Société Civile, they are Civil really society. helping us. 
<laughs> yes, thank you. They're really helping us this time with the communication to help people in the villages in uh, straight to get to accept the vaccination. Just to add on one thing that we have not mentioned uh, over, over this discussion is that there is a lot of need also to to uh, have a proper stock management of the vaccines that uh, you are handling in your system. You must know how many stocks, the, the amount of stocks uh, uh, that are being distributed and where, and uh, you, so that in case of anything, one is able to, 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 to even distribute where vaccines are not being consumed for one reason or another. The other thing is that we also need to, as uh, the vaccines move through the system, we must make sure that track uh, their temperatures so that uh, we don't end up giving um, vaccines that are not potent to our clients. Over. Yes, thank you again, Amos. <laughs> I will add some little thing before we end it. That's the waste management. We talk a lot about uh, uh, vaccination. There will be a lot of waste generated from new introduction. Country also need to assess uh, the waste management system the waste management plan to make sure they have incinerator ready just to uh, deal with all the waste generated from the new introduction. I want to thank you, Amos and Jack Dubali, for, for this fantastic conversation. I think we, we, we certainly hit on many different points based on the experiences you've had through, through the supply chain and logistics management of the, of the HPV introduction. Um, it's really great to, to, to talk to you both, and I hope we have another opportunity to speak with you soon. Thank you. Of course, Brian. We are always available. It was a nice discussion. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much, Brian. It's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for listening to Voices of Public Health, the JSI podcast.